But everybody, just to take a deep breath in and let it out. Well, a hearing test is kind of standard practice for most uh, doctor's offices, especially if you're going in for a checkup or a wellness check. My guess is most of us here have had, ha- have had a hearing test done at one time or another. The doctor inserts the device in your ear and plays different tones that sound at different frequencies, and then if you hear the sound, you raise your hand. Scientists say that a human being's hearing range uh, you know, in terms of the different frequencies that we can hear, range from about 0 to 200 decibels. Um, just, just after 200 decibels, the sound wave will literally kill us. Anything below 0 decibels, and it's completely inaudible to the human ear. A whisper is about 15 to 30 decibels. A normal speaking voice is about 60 decibels. Uh, a motorcycle is 95 Thunder is about 120, and a jet airplane is 150. At 145 decibels, our vision becomes blurry because the sound actually vibrates our eyes. And at 200 decibels, as I mentioned, or at 195 decibels, rather, our eardrums rupture. What about a spiritual hearing test? Like, raise your hand when you hear God's voice. How do we hear God speak to us? Is there like a certain frequency? Have there been times where we could raise our hands and say, I think God was saying something to me. I think God was speaking to me. Or is that something maybe we want more of? Especially when we need comfort or guidance or reassurance or courage or clarity. Well, the truth is God does speak to us. God has a desire to speak to us because God is relational. One of the very first things that God does in the Bible is to speak. God said, let there be light. Speaking has always defined God's loving and intimate relationship with God's creatures, including us. And it implies a connection, right, between speaking and hearing and therefore between speaker and listener. Being able to hear God's voice is an important part of this journey of faith. But the the truth is also that we live in a noisy, noisy world. We're exposed to so many different stimuli. There are so many noises at so many different frequencies that make it hard for us to hear God. We have radios and phones and TVs and tablets and computers and video games and cars and planes and cable news and social media and podcasts and commercials and advertisements. We have kids and sports and activities. We have stores and restaurants and bars. We have white noise, noise to help us go to sleep, and an alarm clock with a sound in the morning to help us wake up. Not to mention the internal noise, right? That may not be audible, but that is just as loud and distracting. The noise that demands perfection or productivity, the noise of our inner critic, the noise of of judgment, the noise that says we need more stuff, the noise of comparison. We are overstimulated with noise. And we fluctuate, don't we, between 
thinking we desperately needing it, between thinking we desperately need it and being completely overwhelmed by it. Noise might just be one of the biggest hindrances to our spiritual growth. Yet we want to hear God speak. We, we want to hear God speak, and yet God does speak. So how does God speak through all this noise? How do we hear from God? Over the next four weeks, we're going to be looking at four ways that, that, that we can hear from God, ways that God speaks to us through patient prayer, through Scripture, through other people, and today, beginning the sermon series, in the silence. Silence. The hope is that we might discover or, or rediscover intimacy with God and might be able to, to raise our hand a lot more because we've been hearing God speak to our hearts. Let us pray. God, open our hearts and minds to your word for us this day. We pray that it would take root there, that it would grow us and transform us, that we might live for you, bear fruit for your kingdom. This we pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. Uh, reading this morning from 1 Kings uh, in the Old Testament, um, chapter 18, or excuse me, chapter 19, verses 1 through 16. Listen for God's word. Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, how he had killed all Baal's prophets with the sword. Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah with this message, May the gods do whatever they want to me, if by this time tomorrow I haven't made your life like the life of one of them. Elijah was terrified. He got up and ran for his life. He arrived at Beersheba in Judah and left his assistant there. He himself went farther on into the desert a day's journey. He finally sat down under a solitary broom bush. He longed for his own death. It's more than enough, Lord, take my life because I'm no better than my ancestors. He lay down and slept under the solitary broom bush. Then suddenly a messenger tapped him and said to him, get up, eat something. Elijah opened his eyes and saw flatbread baked on glowing, glowing coals and a jar of water by his head. He ate and drank and then went back to sleep. The Lord's messenger returned a second time and tapped him, get up, the messenger said, eat something because you have a difficult road ahead of you. Elijah got up, ate, and drank, and went refreshed by that food for 40 days and nights until he arrived at Mount Horeb, God's mountain. There he went into a cave and spent the night. The Lord's word came to him and said, Why are you here, Elijah? Elijah replied, I've been very passionate for the Lord God of heavenly forces because the Israelites have abandoned your covenant. They've torn down your altars, and they have murdered your prophets with the sword. I'm the only one left, and now they want to take my life too. The Lord said, go out and stand at the mountain before the Lord. The Lord is passing by. A very strong wind tore through the mountains and broke apart the stones before the Lord, but the Lord wasn't in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord wasn't in the earthquake. After the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord wasn't in the fire. After the fire, there was a sound, thin, quiet. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his coat. He went out and stood at the cave's entrance. A voice came to him and said, Why are you here, Elijah? He said, I've been very passionate for the Lord God of heavenly forces because the Israelites have abandoned your covenant. They've torn down your altars. They've murdered your prophets with the sword. I'm the only one left, and now they want to take my life too. The Lord said to him, Go back through the desert to Damascus and anoint 
Hazel is king of Aram. Also anoint Jehu, Nish, Nimshi's son, is king of Israel, and anoint Elisha from Abel Malaho as Shaphat's son to succeed you as prophet. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. It's surprising, right, how loud silence can be when you're not used to it. Especially when you don't expect it from God. And yet that's exactly what got Elijah's attention and where he heard God speak. And Elijah desperately needed to hear God speak. You see, just a chapter earlier, Elijah was riding high, feeling large and in charge. He had just staged one of the the greatest, most spectacular public demonstrations of the unique power of the God of Israel. Before all Israel, he challenged all of the prophets and worshipers of Baal to a a kind of divine showdown. And in a scene that, that looks like it came straight out of an Indiana Jones movie, Elijah calls on the name of God and God's fire falls and consumes the the offering, the water, and the altar that was there. God leaves no doubt as to the truth of God's existence and the legitimacy of God's prophet, Elijah. The people there who witness this turn from idols and say, the Lord is God. And Elijah tells them to seize and destroy the Baal prophets. And yet in the very next chapter, Elijah is running for his life. Jezebel, the the, the evil queen, is intent on destroying Elijah, and so he's terrified. He runs into the desert and, as you heard, essentially asks and prays that God would just end his life right then and there. He's overcome with self-doubt. He's intimidated. He's helpless and alone. He feels like a failure. He has hit the wall. He's hit the wall. He needs to hear from God. He needs to hear God's voice. Encouraged by an angel to to eat, Elijah does, and he journeys an additional 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Horeb, also known as Mount Sinai. Does that sound familiar? This was the mountain where Moses met God in the flames of a burning bush. This was the mountain where, uh, where after the exodus, God showed up in a cloud and lightning, thunder, and fire. This is the mountain where Moses hid in a cave as the glory of the Lord passed by, allowing Moses to catch just a glimpse. Horeb is where you go to be in God's presence. If God was going to show up and speak, this would be the place. And so Elijah is there. It would be here. The question is, would he hear? Elijah hides himself in a cave there and The story tells us that a very strong wind rips through uh, the mountains and and breaks apart stones before the Lord, but the Lord isn't in the wind, and Elijah remains in the cave. He does not draw near. After the wind, there is an earthquake, but God isn't in the earthquake, and Elijah stays in the cave, doesn't leave the cave to draw near. After the earthquake, there is a fire, but the Lord isn't in the fire, and Elijah doesn't leave the cave to draw near. After the fire, there is a sound. Then, quiet. Some translations say still small voice. Some say a quiet whisper. Some say silence. The Hebrew can mean all of those things. When Elijah hears this, he wraps his face in his coat and he gets up and he goes out of the cave to draw near. 
And a voice comes to him and says, Elijah, why are you here? It was the silence that signaled God's presence, not absence. It was the silence that signaled God's presence, not absence. It was in that thin quietness that God spoke. A gentle whisper drew him out of hiding, got Elijah's attention. I remember having some friends over to our house for dinner, and they brought their kids, and of course we had our three boys, and after all the the energy supplied by dinner and and dessert, fresh off of that energy, they were playing playing loudly uh, and chaotically and having a a good old time. Now as parents, we'd all learn, of course, that uh, you have to ignore the noise and distractions if you're ever going to have a conversation. You can't wait for it to go away. Uh, But at one point, In the conversation, however, we all stopped talking and we looked at each other with with wide eyes. Not because of a loud noise, not because of a boom, but because all of a sudden there was silence. All the parents in the room know this. Lengthy silence. That's what got our attention. That's what was louder than the chaos of children's play. We worried more when they were quiet than when they were noisy, and rightly so, because I think one of my boys was climbing a, a bookshelf to get something. In a world of noise, maybe silence gets our attention. Maybe God knows this. Elijah discovered this to be true. He steps out of the cave and starts to pay attention, not with the noise or the stimuli of earthquake and fire and wind, all of which could have been ways God could be present, but with the silence. God knows how to get through despite the noise. Perhaps Elijah, perhaps we would expect some grand, massive, overwhelming revelation to Elijah or to us that would convince him or us of God's power. But sometimes it's not in the loud, the overwhelming, the spectacular that God speaks to us. Sometimes God's power is most acute in the whisper or silence of intimacy. In moments like Elijah, when we feel like a a failure, feel intimidated, afraid, alone, vulnerable, perhaps anything more then a gentle whisper from God would just be too much. Perhaps anything other than, a thin, than the thin quiet would just blend in with the loudness that saturates our lives already. We need to hear from a God whose power is not just in fire and thunder, but in the intimacy of being close enough to us to be able to whisper. Because when someone speaks to you in a whisper, you have to lean in to be able to hear. And isn't that what God wants from us anyway? To lean in closer and closer as divinely possible. But in a noisy world, it's hard for us to be comfortable with silence. We have such an ambiguous relationship with silence. I mean, some of us enjoy it. Some of us wish we had more of it. Silence makes some of us really uncomfortable. And we, 
we, uh, like it needs to be filled immediately. And in the midst of difficult circumstances like Elijah was facing, silence may seem like the last thing that we want. Like we want to hear God say something unmistakably clear. Like, God, this is happening to me. I feel like I'm at the edge of the earth. Please say something. Silence. Which we associate with absence. But Elijah associates it with presence. God's presence. God speaking. It is in the midst of this thin quiet that God asks Elijah, what are you doing here? And reminds him that he is not as alone as he says. I'll never forget one of the best teaching nuggets that I ever got um, for leading leading small group conversation. Well, we were talking about the silence that inevitably happens sometimes when you're in a small group and and you're talking about something, you're answering questions. And our instructor said, instead of trying to interject too quickly or to fill the silence, treat the silence like another person in the room. Treat silence like another person in the room. I thought about that this week as I was reading this passage and thinking about how God speaks to us in the silence. What would it mean for us to treat silence like God in the room? What if it drew us out of hiding so that we could hear from God, even if the hearing from God was simply just the reassurance of God's powerful and intimate presence with us? Sometimes God speaks not with a booming voice, but with a quiet presence. What would it mean for us not to feel so compelled to to fill the silence or expect God to? What would it mean for us to trust the quiet and not be afraid of it? To really pay attention because what if the silence is not God being silent but God trying to get through? God hears, Elijah rather, hears the calm after, that comes after the storm and it is in this silence that Elijah somehow, somehow encounters and hears from God in a silence that actually says everything, I am here. I'm here. During the height of the, the pandemic, when, uh, when I felt like Elijah, uh, like I'd absolutely hit the wall for about the fifth time, uh, I began to try something new. I began to cultivate times of silence before my morning devotion. Not with a particular agenda, I'm just wanting to be reassured of, of God's presence, of God's enoughness. In the, in, in the silence. Also hoping to hear God speak to me. It was in the silence that I realized that I'd been trying to hide from the harder truths about myself exposed by the pandemic by surrounding myself with noise. And I expected God to somehow be louder than the noise. It turned out God was trying to be softer than the noise. Both the external and the internal noise. The silence was God quietly interrupting my desire to control, my impatience. The silence forced me to be helpless for five minutes. 17th century 
Philosopher Blaise Pascal argued that we try to hide from the harder truths about ourselves by surrounding ourselves with noise. He called it diversions. But these diversions, he said, ultimately stop us from facing what needs to be confronted if we're ever to truly live. He writes, the only thing which consoles us for our miseries is diversion, and yet this is the greatest of our miseries, for it is, for it is this which principally hinders us from reflecting upon ourselves and which makes us insensibly ruin ourselves. Diversion amuses us and leads us unconsciously to death. God speaks to us in the silence to draw us to life. And some days, I heard only silence. Some days, a single word that was like planted in my, in my brain. Other days, it was as if God was was telling me things. But it wasn't in a burning bush, a loud burst of thunder, a storm. It wasn't necessarily audible at all. It was closer, more intimate than that. And no matter what, I always left the time knowing that God was near, even if God didn't answer me loudly or in a way that I wanted. Have you ever heard God speak in the in the thin quiet. Silence both quiets the inputs and the outputs. Maybe it's time not to run from the, from the silence, but to seek it out in our faith. When we cultivate and put ourselves in positions where noise subsides, and it's just us and God and no external stimuli, we have a chance to hear God speak. And more importantly, just to be assured of God's loving presence. So even if the silence is nothing more than just a chance to to pay attention to what we see around us, to what we see God doing, where we see God at work in our own lives and in the world, then friends, that's worth it. There are small everyday moments which we might miss as opportunities to seek silence and, and solitude, such as having a a cup of coffee in the morning, the work commute, a walk outside in nature, or or carve out 30 minutes a week just to be by yourself and be quiet and experience silence. Have no agenda and just see what happens with God. Don't self-judge or have any expectations. Or take five minutes before you pray. Just be silent. Take a walk. See, pay attention to what you see and hear. Where do you sense God? What what is God up to? What is God saying? And you might just hear God speak in a frequency that draws you in, makes you lean in a little bit closer, maybe even raise your hand as if to say, oh, I hear you, Lord. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen.